0: Adulthood Made Easy, a podcast that will not only help you navigate real life, but win at real life. I'm your host, Sam Zabel. And our guest this week is incredibly cool and incredibly talented, but her job is a little hard to describe. That's probably because she doesn't have just one job. Instead, Veronica Belmont has many. She's an online video host, a writer, an MC, a speaker, a video producer, and sometimes a voice actor. And she's also a fellow podcaster. So I asked Veronica to join me today to talk about what it's like to create your own path, follow your passions and interests, and juggle all of those things at once. Welcome, Veronica. Thank you for having me. Thanks for being here. I didn't do the best job explaining exactly what you do for a living, but that's because I thought that you maybe have an elevator pitch or could sort of explain to everyone you know, what you're juggling and what your answer is when someone says, so, so what's your job? So what do you do?
1: yeah, it kind of depends on the day. I mean, uh, you you did explain it very well. I, I wear a lot of different hats. Uh, most of them tend to revolve around video production, audio production, online media, cre- content creation. But I also do a lot of random stuff too. like I, I like writing fiction. I have done some voice acting, as you mentioned. I love to produce and, and work on various podcasts. So there's a lot of different things that are tangentially related.
0: But you're definitely immersed in in the digital world, in the digital space, which really stood out to me because I think it's something that's a little bit scarier to jump into, especially, you know, I graduated from college now a year ago, year and a half ago. But you graduated in two thousand and four. I imagine it was kind of a scary world to
1: jump into then, too, because you didn't really know
0: what was coming.
1: I didn't even really know that this kind of career existed. Um, I went to school for audio radio production, and so my plan was to move out to San Francisco and get a job working in that field, whether that be studio production or doing live sound or, you know, I I didn't really have a super good idea of what that was going to look like. But within about six months, I scored an internship at CNET Networks, and that was perfect for me because I loved technology. That was just something that was a huge interest of mine growing up. I always loved computers. It worked out really well because in the office, audio suites. I was using you know, top-of-the-line computer equipment and recording gear, and that was really fun for me. So when the CNET opportunity came around, I, I jumped on it, and I, I really worked my hardest to, to land that internship. And mm-hmm. it turned into something really special because initially it was just producing and, and creating audio content for some of their more business-oriented websites like ZDNet, kind of dry stuff, whiteboards, that sort of thing. But then... On the CNET side, the uh, consumer electronics side of the site, they were looking to start creating podcasts. And back then, 2004, 2005, podcasts didn't really, really exist in the public space. I mean, people weren't really talking about them yet. There was a handful of of early creators that I had kind of fallen in love with and was listening to regularly, but there wasn't a store even on iTunes yet. And I was like, hey, I know audio production. I, I know what this weird podcasting thing is. Um, I know how to kind of navigate this online world. I'm, I'm happy to lend my services. And one thing led to another, and I became a producer for a lot of their shows and, and also an on-air talent.
0: That's awesome. That's a great story. And you actually said something that I say so often, which is when people are like, well, what do you want to be doing in 10 years? I always say, like, I don't think my dream job has been invented yet. Like, I think that's part of working in digital and what a lot of young people are seeing today when they're in social media jobs or digital jobs, that it's so hard to envision what your dream job is because the company you want to work for may, not, may just be a Kickstarter right now. Like, you might not even really know what you want to do yet.
1: I know all these amazing industries have have cropped up in recent years that we never we didn't really anticipate Thing you know, things like Uber or even something like right. Twitter. I mean, Twitter was around, but we had no idea what kind of change it would bring to the way we communicate with each other and, and get information and news. And and it's it's really incredible.
0: And you were a really early adopter of Twitter, which I know because you have the I'm very envious of your Veronica handle. It's just <laughs> at Veronica, which is like the goal and i obviously I'm way too late for that. but you were an early adopter for Twitter, you were an early adopter for podcasts. How do you think that that helped get you where you are today and and how do you approach being an early adopter without being too scared of what that means and without being totally skeptical of all this new technology?
1: You know, it's not it's not that difficult to jump into things like that. I think new services and, and products pop up all the time. And I'm always willing to to jump in and, and you know, dig my hands in right away because I want to see what's out there. I want to know what's changing, what's new, what's the new hotness, as the kids say these days. Um, but there's <laughs> there's not a lot of, you know there's not a lot of danger there typically, um, especially now that we have the ability to sign in using other applications like Facebook or you know getting um, uh, using Twitter to log into things. Um, you don't have to make up a lot of different passwords. you don't have to make up a lot of different usernames. It's pretty secure. So there's not a lot of danger there. I, I I like to test things out early and and see what they can bring to my life and see how they can make my life more enjoyable or easier or more interesting.
0: And, I mean, you mentioned all the different hats that you wear and and this job that you've created, not one job, but overall job that you've created for yourself, your day-to-day life is so interesting. And it seems like you definitely have really followed your interests and followed your passions. And I think that that's something that a lot of people struggle with because it's so easy to graduate college. And, you know, you went to journalism school, go into magazines. Or you went, you were pre-med, like, go apply to a hospital. So how did you... Start to create this kind of varied job path for yourself. What, is it hard to juggle all of those things at once? And you know, how do you decide what to take and what to skip over when you're looking at a new opportunity?
1: It is kind of hard to juggle all these different careers, I guess, or, or opportunities that I have. Um, but. It, it kind of just came from from leaving CNET as a full-time employee to going into the freelance world. And when you're a freelancer, suddenly you have all this freedom to kind of make your own schedule and decide what you want to do. Hopefully those opportunities are presenting themselves. And because I I had kind of built this personality online, I was able to make those connections with people doing cool stuff that I was uh, curious about and, and exploring those different opportunities and, and worlds. But it's definitely not something you can kind of go into knowingly, I guess. Mm-hmm. I, I kind of stumbled into this in a way that was really fortuitous for me um, and has been a lot of fun. But it's not always easy. I mean, some this summer, for example, has been relatively slow. Or it's been, you know, I'm starting a lot of projects that are are, are kicking off come fall or come winter. But We're in the planning stages now, so they're not actually making me any money yet. Um, So it's it's finding that balance between getting to do creative projects that you're really excited excited by that will pay off down the road versus what you can do today to get some money in your bank account.
0: Right. And I think in the early years, money in the bank account is probably important for like rent and food in your stomach and things like that. You know, Um, the little things. And I've wanted to talk about freelancing on this show for so long because... I think, for a lot of people, they they love the idea of it. And I also think that you can sometimes think that, okay, freelancers, that's just journalists. like you don't really always associate freelancing with all the different cool opportunities that are out there. So do you remember what your first sort of freelance gig was, and kind of how you came about it, how you managed it, how you structured your day for the first time when you didn't have
1: that nine to five schedule? I was fortunate enough to, uh, get an agent very early in my career. Um, Mm -hmm. his name is George and I've worked with him since I left CNET in 2007 and he was instrumental in finding me a lot of these opportunities earlier in, uh, in my career. And, but that's obviously not something that everyone is going to have available to them right off the bat at least um, but otherwise, it's, it's about making connections. And something that I found later in my career that's pretty funny is that people don't offer me gigs because they think I'm too busy, oh. which I'm like, well, you could ask. That would be, you know, it would probably be safe just to ask to see if maybe I, I, I have some time to work on something. Um, but that's also a strange, you know, typical to me problem, but may not be for everyone. Um, but it's difficult. Freelancing is, is, you get a lot of the freedom. But with that comes the concern that there's not going to be another job next month. So it's about lining up things at at regular intervals and and kind of believing in yourself enough to know that there will be another opportunity in in a month or in two months that's going to make up for the difference. But it's very difficult.
0: I mean, and how did you deal with those days when you felt like you were so nervous that you wouldn't find another job or you were adjusting to you know juggling multiple things at once like what did that feel like and how did you how did you motivate yourself to keep going
1: I still have those days absolutely and the way that I kind of squelch those anxiety feelings is to work on something creative to get the ball rolling on a project that I've been thinking about myself that way I feel like okay well I'm I'm building up some inertia here at least for something and that makes me feel a little more secure that I can be a self-starter and, and, and come up with a new project idea or bring people together for a new project and not have to sit around and wait for the phone to ring.
0: How many projects are you working on at once or like what's the most amount that you've been working on at one time?
1: You know, right now I'm working on... A regular podcast, Sword and Laser, that we do every week uh, that we've been right. doing for the last eight years. Um, I do a monthly show called Vaginal Fantasy, which is a uh, another book club <laughs> that's a little more romance-oriented. I do Dear Veronica Fern Gadget, which is a, a, a released weekly uh, tech advice, social media etiquette kind of show that we shoot in bulk. So we shoot two episodes at a time and then release them throughout the weeks. Uh, that's you know I'm I'm writing the script for that I'm basically producing that entire show finding guests uh, pulling the answers from the audience so that ta- that takes up a significant portion of my time uh, I'm also right. working on two television pilots right now that's very exciting but those are also in the pre-planning stages not in the production getting paid stages of the show which is okay. always you know something to look forward to and then I'm also a startup advisor so I work with companies to uh, to develop their ideas and to talk about what their plans for the future are for their company it's it's a lot of fun but it's also a lot of work so there's a lot of different a lot of different balls in play right now and it's 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 exciting and fun, but it is a lot of work to to keep up with and, and to make sure that nothing is lagging behind. What's your favorite project that you're working on right now? Right now, it would be between Sword and Laser and Dear Veronica, just because I have so much fun doing both of those shows, and I love the content, and I have the freedom to kind of be silly and to have fun with them, which is really important to me. I, I'm not not a very serious person by nature, and so I, I like having my personality kind of come through in the projects that I work on, and those two get to be so over the top, especially Dear Veronica, the editor that I'm working with, um, Brett, I've known for many, many years, and he just takes it to the next level. He comes up with stuff that I never would have even thought of, and to be able to to work with creative fun people is really important to me because at the end of the day, if we're not having fun, why are we doing it? Right. Absolutely.
0: That's good advice. <laughs> I love that. And I think that both of those shows are kind of based around having listeners and having a community. And you definitely have a big presence on social media, which is another thing that we've talked about before on this show, Um, that it can be amazing and a great way to connect with people and a great way to network and learn things, but it can also be kind of a scary place and something that you really have to watch, especially if you're job hunting or, you know, you need to think twice before you post something. So how do you Mm. think social media has played into your job? How do you use it to kind of create your career?
1: Social media for me at this point is almost another full-time job. Um, I spend a lot of time on Twitter talking to people, responding to people, taking ideas for for future shows, uh, taking questions for Dear Veronica. It's a lot of fun for me, but there is that stress that if you don't respond back, you're going to upset someone. Is someone being mean on Twitter about me? You know, I've had to really focus on staying with the positives and not focusing so much on the negative aspects. But sometimes it's really, really hard. You know, being a woman on the Internet is not always easy. Uh, Big surprise. And when you hear negative comments, they have this tendency to really lodge in there and fester for hours or days even, and you're like, how am I letting this one random person on the internet drag me down like this and affect my life and affect how I feel for an extended period? That's kind of crazy when you think about it. But we're just people, right? And so we are affected by what other people say about us. So I've been trying to figure out ways to kind of mitigate that and and not feel so terrible and focus on the positives. It's not easy, but you have to do it to stay sane. Because I never want to be one of those people that doesn't pay attention to social media and doesn't hear what people have to say and doesn't integrate that content into the stuff that I'm making. Because that's part of what's so great about being in the new media space and being able to create content for the internet is taking ideas and feedback from the audience in real time and using that to form how you make these shows.
0: Yeah. And I think social media is tough because I love it. I spend all day on social media. I spend all weekend on social media, but it's also an incredibly stressful place to be whether mm-hmm. it's I mean I don't I don't have, you know, almost 2 million Twitter followers. So I don't think I'm getting like the negative feedback that you're getting, but I'm getting the the classic like fear that you're missing out or fear that you're not having enough, as much fun as you should be having, or just like an overwhelming sense that there's no time to read everything you need to read and and see everything you need to see. And to mm-hmm. do that, you have to spend all day on Twitter, which is just not not the way to be a real human being. Like the balance between letting it be a good thing and also recognizing that sometimes you need to step back.
1: (laughs) You know, during a period when I was feeling a little crazy about the whole thing, I took some advice from a dear friend of mine, Nick Bilton, who writes for the New York Times. And he said that every Friday afternoon, you know, come quit an hour, he deletes Twitter and Facebook from his phone. Completely deletes it. Just gone, just deletes it. Doesn't think about it, doesn't look at it. And then Monday morning, he puts them back on. That way, he has the whole weekend to just be with his family, focus on the stuff he needs to get done. He stays away from it on the computer, too. But it's mostly like getting out into the world and not sitting at a restaurant checking your phone for Twitter replies. Right. He He can't do that because it's off his phone. He'd have to make a concerted effort to make that possible in that moment. And he says it's really changed the way he experiences life, at least for a few days each week. And I thought that was pretty magical, and I tried it, and it was great. I forget to do it sometimes <laughs> that that's kind of the problem. Friday rolls around, and suddenly I'm like, "Oh, I'm still on Twitter, and it's two o'clock in the morning." but <laughs> it's a good idea in theory, and it really did feel nice to to do
0: well, I would imagine that even though you've kind of set up this like this structured sense of a week for yourself that you're still working on the weekends I mean I still feel like I'm working on the weekends and I have what I guess you could consider like a typical nine to five job but even I feel like on Saturdays I'm still putting in an hour or two of work you know at nine o'clock at night I'm still putting in time at work I would imagine that for you it's even tougher to constrain it to just a five-day work week.
1: Yeah, I forget what weekends are sometimes. Like I really yeah. do forget what day it is. And I think when you're so ingrained in the online world, it time has no meaning. Like there's always someone online, there's always someone awake to talk to, there's always emails coming in or emails to reply to. And it's important to just give yourself that time off, that time away, that time to unplug. Um, I I do that with my dog. We just go to the park. We'll go for two hours. And sometimes I leave my phone in the car and it's just nice to feel completely disconnected from the internet and just be in a space, enjoying the outdoors, enjoying the quiet and solitude and not feel like you have to be plugged in 24 seven. 7 Right, which I obviously feel like I do have to be
0: plugged. I just – I think – I don't think it's I feel like I have to. I just feel like I automatically am, and I think people, like, in my same experience and, you know, their first two years out of college feel the same way. Like, you just feel like you need to be in touch with everyone and – always answering emails you know from your boss because you're so young at the company that you wouldn't want to mm-hmm. let an email go unanswered and you want to make sure that you're prepared for Monday so you spend Sunday doing work like I don't even think that I think it's just second nature at this point. I don't know if it's, that goes away.
1: You know, maybe it's easier being a freelancer. I don't have the experience of working at a high pressure intense 9 to 5 environment where you are getting emails from a superior at that time of day. But I think it's really unfair. I think it's a really unfair amount of pressure that we've put on ourselves as a society to feel like we have to be constantly connected. And no one, guess what? No one's going to die if you don't answer an email, (laughs) you know, at seven o'clock on a Saturday night. It's, it's okay. It will really be okay. I, you know, I can say that without having the pressure looming over me. <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> it's real easy for me to say who works for herself. But I think I, I, I wish people in positions of power would realize that it's an unhealthy environment to, to create um, when you get upset if people aren't responding to emails at all hours. Right.
0: And I am jealous that you're your own boss. That sounds great. But do you ever miss... Having a boss or having like a structured full time nine to five job, like, is there anything, any time where you're just like, oh, it'd be so much easier if I could just go to an office every day, or are you totally in the freelance camp?
1: I miss the community, but I feel like I get some of that by going into uh, Engadget every other every other week to shoot and to have meetings with my producer and and with my crew. But I, you know, I don't really miss it all that much. It would be Mm -hmm. nice to have work friends and, and, you know, quitting time is 5 p.m. You're done. You get stuff Mm -hmm. like benefits and paid vacation, (laughs) things like that. That'd be great. But the flexibility to kind of make my own schedule like I went to yoga today at 10 a.m. No one stopped me. That aspect is is really nice. And I've come to value that flexibility very, very much. And it would have to be a really, really special kind of job to get me to go back, I think.
0: Yeah, I feel like doing taxes would be kind of a nightmare. I feel like at taxes that point. Are,
1: would... Oh, God, don't even get me started <laughs> on taxes as a freelancer. It is a yeah. nightmare. That's what I
0: would imagine. Like, <laughs> I don't, I mean, I don't, taxes are a nightmare for me as a person who just doesn't quite understand taxes. But I would imagine from your perspective, it's like, that's really a bad, it's a bad season.
1: <laughs> yeah. There was, you know, if I could go back and tell my younger self one thing or or someone just graduating college, it would be pay your quarterly taxes. Know what that means. Uh, realize what you're, be able to anticipate what you're going to make in the next year and plan accordingly because. No one really told me that. And so there were years where I owed so much back taxes because I underestimated my quarterly taxes or just forgot to pay them. La la la, I'm a freelancer, la la la. And if you're not really on top of it, it can become a nightmare. I've been all set for the past couple of years. I mean, you know, I finally got a good accountant that I like. I figured out how the quarterlies work. I'm on schedule. I'm paying. I'm overpaying taxes at this point. But it it, it is nice to get a refund at the end of the year instead of have to pay a lot of money. So that's that's my biggest advice to anyone looking to get into the freelance space: is, is come into it knowing how taxes work for freelancers.
0: Yeah. And what advice would you give to someone who's currently in a full-time job, you know, and just is ready, isn't liking it, isn't liking the having a boss, really wants to break out and follow, you know, one of their passions a similar way you did? Like what advice would you give to them if they're feeling a little bit nervous about it?
1: I would say start putting the hours in before you've even left your full-time job. If you're if you're going into a field that's similar, you probably have a lot of contacts already. I'm not I don't don't work on your new stuff while you're at your job, obviously. That can cause a lot of issues. But, you know, in the evenings when you're at home, start thinking about what projects you want to work on. Start figuring out how the finances will look if you if you are taking some downtime to to focus on new stuff. Uh, make sure you have enough money in your bank account to to cushion yourself if the work doesn't come right away. These are all things you need to consider and, yeah. and make sure you have some things lined up if, if, if you can and figure out what the next year of your life will look like jumping into freelance mode.
0: How long did it take for you to feel like, I've got this under control, this is, this is going to be, this can work for the next year, two years, three years, four years?
1: I still don't always feel that way. Everything is always so up in the air. We recently bought a house here in San Francisco, which was a huge feat for us. It's just, we've been looking Congratulations. for years, years Thank you. But the downside is now I have a much higher mortgage than I had with rent and that's completely throwing all the finances askew. And so I'm there's always that little sense of anxiety. I think unless you have the next year of of booked gigs on your calendar, you're always going to feel that tension of, ooh, how's this year looking? Well,
0: Veronica, it's been so great to talk to you. You are so fascinating, interesting, and I'm so excited to follow all of your projects, all 50 million of them this (laughs) year and next year and in the next 10 years. And luckily, it's very easy to find you on the internet because of your early adopter handles people just have to search veronica on twitter veronica on facebook veronica on instagram it's great so people have no trouble finding you
1: yep and and all my stuff is collected over at uh, Me slash veronica
0: perfect well thank you again for your time veronica and good luck with everything
1: thank you very much for having me
0: Thank you for joining me today for Adulthood Made Easy. If you have questions or topics that you'd like me to cover in future episodes, just tweet them to me at Sam and I'll add them to my list. I'd like to thank our producer, Tim Einenkel. And if you enjoyed the episode, don't forget to subscribe and review in iTunes. I'm Sam Zabel, and I'll see you next time.